Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I'm going to be taking you guys back to a year in 1971 to look at Steven Spielberg's road movie thriller I guess you could say and that is Jewel. So let's start up the car, let's hit the Canyon County of California, let's get on the highway, let's play you guys a trailer and I will see you soon. And welcome back guys. So the synopsis of this film is a business commuter pursued and terrorised by the driver of a massive truck. There you go, just a short synopsis from MIMDB. Uh, it's a PG, it's got a 9 minute runtime, and it's classed as a action thriller. It was originally produced as a TV movie by Universal and they spent $450,000 on this film so it's only a small budget movie. And when they saw the final cut they thought that it was worthy of a theatrical release so they got the director who I'll mention in a minute to add an extra 15 minutes bumped it up a little bit and they did it quite clever with some scenes in the movie where I think you see like uh, the car that stops at a railway crossing you got Dennis Weaver making a couple of extra telephone calls to his wife so they just sort of bumped up a little bit so it's nothing too um, significant about the main plot of the movie they just sort of bumped it up just to get it up to 15 minutes for a 90 minute theatrical release so anyway the film uh, was released it did very well commercially critically and it has now become a cult movie and let's talk about the director so it is mr steven spielberg himself i haven't mentioned him on the show yet but he's probably one of the most influential directors of the sort of last five decades he's he's up there he's done some massive movies that we all know some of the household names Jaws Closing Counters Jurassic Park Saving Private Ryan um, E.T. Raiders of the Lost Ark Indiana Jones I mean he's it, it, just got it, it's phenomenal what he's done what he's produced how he's certainly entertained me in my lifetime um, but before that before he made all these big movies um, and this is why I'm talking about Jewel today he made this film and I don't think I could do bite-sized cinema podcasts without talking about this movie because it is actually quite a building block for one of the biggest directors out there and I'll just explain why so basically um, the thing with Jewel is it's got a real basic plot 
And I think if I was doing something like film studies, this would probably be a good film to talk about to a class to say about how to make a, a basic movie um, entertaining, thrilling, all those types of things um, on a small budget. So let's take you guys back in time and talk a little bit about Steven Spielberg first to how he first started out. So we go back to the early 70s in Hollywood and Hollywood was now coming into a new phase. Um, it had some new talent. Uh, you had George Lucas, you had um, Brian De Palma, Martin Scorsese. You can mention George A. Romero was in there, uh, Joe Dante. Uh, John Carpenter, all these new guys, uh, Toby Hooper, uh, taking care of all the horror and all that sort of stuff. But the difference with Steven Spielberg was that he did not go to film school or college or anything like that. He just got onto the field straight away to learn the craft of filmmaking. And the way he started out was just pretty much by grabbing any sort of director job that he could. And most of his early work was uh, producing TV work. And he actually produced the pilot episode to Columbo. He did a lot of westerns and he was just making a name for himself and he was just rising up as a young, talented um, director. So he was looking for his break and his break was actually, believe it or not, a Playboy magazine. Yes, that's right, a Playboy magazine, which his secretary showed him. And he was like, originally going, are you kidding me? What, what What's this all about? And she said, read this short story in the Playboy magazine. It was called Jill. And basically, it's the film that I'm going to be talking about. It is a short story about a guy that gets terrorised by a truck. And it was written by Richard Matheson. And the story is that Richard Matheson has actually been trying to get this film uh, released through Hollywood as well. Um, so Spielberg went to go and see him. And Richard Matheson is a very talented uh, writer. He's done films such as The Incredible Shrinking Man. He wrote I Am Legend, which was turned into The Amiga Man with Charlton Heston and um, I Am Legend, obviously the film with Will Smith. So he's he's written lots of classics. Steven Spielberg approaches him. He says, I like the story, um, love the sound. I just want to get it turned into a movie. So he goes to Universal and he gets a budget, as I mentioned earlier, $450,000. And Steven Spielberg gets to make this uh, movie. So with the light uh, switched to green and the budget and everything, and Spielberg's going to go and make this film, Universal wanted it to be made in a studio with a backdrop and a car and de uh, the actor Dennis Weaver to be in the car with this um, screen behind him. And Spielberg went, no, 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 we can't do that. We've, we've got to be out. In the canyon, I want it to be real because he's he's got a vision, Steven Spielberg, and I think he always has, and he sticks to his gun and he has his creative control. And he said, right from the start, for this film to be tangible, you need to have it in a real car, in a real location. We need to get all the cameras set up. And he said to the studio that he'd get it filmed in 12, 10 to twelve days, and he did. And Universal just let him go and do it, and he kept into the budget. Um, he used cameras within the car. Dennis Weaver did all his own driving. He found the old uh, pickup truck, which is the old uh, gasoline truck that looks sort of dirty and menacing. 
before it does anything else you look at this truck and this move and it just looks like it wants the queue it's actually a rusted peterbilt 281 for any truck fans out there it's a big old eight wheeler and it is the star of the movie i think and then you've got a 1970 red plymouth valiant which is dennis weaver's car and spielberg said it i want the car to be red because it really stands out as the sort of victim car in this movie and it does stand out with the the surroundings the desert surroundings so you know and this is all like filming i guess he's just looking to sort of capture the scenes and everything like that and i'm glad spielberg did this because i watched this um obviously on the lead up to this uh, episode and i just thought this does actually feel like a dirty old road movie do you know what i mean you can almost taste the grains of sand and you can almost smell that truck and I say the same thing with Jaws because it was all filmed on location. It's almost you almost feel like you're in the water. So testament to Steven Spielberg, his building block of filmmaking. He's he's pretty much like guerrilla filmmaking. He he wants to be there. He wants to get out there. He wants to get in the desert and you know get the cameras dirty and get it all out there. So um, it's great, and I think that's what makes this film very sort of cult and stand the test of time. And you've also got lots of POV shots and stuff like that. So, um, as I said earlier, it's like it's a cheap film, but it's done very well because of all these camera shots and um, the cameras in the car, the POV shots. Um, you can actually hear, I'd imagine, the sound of the V8 coming from the car. That's not hasn't been recorded in the studio. That is actually what you can hear from that vehicle. So. All, all the sounds, uh, they're there, and Spielberg is capturing it whilst he's filming this movie, so it's great. And I mentioned Dennis Weaver, who is our um, protagonist in this movie, and yeah, he's, he's a good actor. Um, he, he's got a lot of conviction to this, his character in this movie, and he was doing another TV, he was doing a TV show at the time called McLeod. Where he plays like a sheriff or something like that riding around on a horse and before this he was famous for being in a tv western called gunsmoke i think he was in there for sort of about 10 years playing this character in that and um the other character to mention in this which is the truck which i've just said you know it's that dirty old gasoline truck now the actual guy who drives the truck who you don't actually see now he is worthy of a mention his name is called gary Loffin, who's the truck driver and like I say you only see I think you just see his trousers and his boots and his arm and that's it so he is worth a mention because he is a one of the greatest Hollywood stuntmen he's got about 400 IMBD credits to his name and he is in films such as Vanishing Point one of my favorite movies from 1971 Breakdown with Kurt Russell Days of Thunder James Bond, Near Dark, MacGyver, Maximum Overdrive, which is another film which is like this, The Knight Rider, The Goonies, Christine, Mad Max 2, Raiders of the Lost Ark, just a name, just a few. So he's the guy who is driving a truck or a vehicle in those movies, he's a stuntman, and that's just a mention, just a few, I mean it's just crazy. Um, so he is the star of the show that you don't really see or you see parts of him so he's worthy of a mention there um there's no one else really to mention someone might be shouting at me right now so oh, you need to mention this person but uh, dennis weaver and the truck um and dennis weaver's 
1970 Valiant are pretty much the stars of this movie so it's very sort of I suppose you could say it's an isolated movie as well so that's kind of what brings the tension and we do like I mean you know and there's a lot of you guys out there that love isolation movies that tension especially in horror works so well just sort of tightens the screws a little bit so and the other thing to mention here I was talking about the actors the other two actors that Spielberg wanted was uh, Dustin Hoffman and Gregory Peck possibly a little bit too expensive or busy at the time but yeah I could have seen these guys in it Dennis Weaver does a good job I wouldn't take anything away from him there but I could have seen those two other actors do that as well so the other thing that I'll mention before I do the movie review or the bite size review is other films that were possibly influenced by this movie um Killdozer the the bulldozer that gets possessed by a meteorite crazy movie the car the demon car again it's got a real sort of same sort of feel to it in the desert sheriff's trying to stop that demonic car maximum overdrive which i just mentioned uh you also had uh, quentin tarantino's death proof there was a crazy uh independent movie kicking around called rubber i think it's just where there's a demonic tire going around killing people um, there's also one of my favourite movies it's, it's more of a chase movie than anything it's uh, Vanishing Point that was made in 1971 around about this time um, and the other one I guess you could say which is kind of like a bit of a homage to this was in a horror movie called Jeepers Creepers so you've got the creeper truck in that and I, when I watched that movie I thought well this is like Jewel because the truck is smashing into our um, protagonist in that movie as well and yeah i was just thinking about this as well because when i was watching this film the other night i thought oh truck indiana jones rages the lost ark when he says what truck and he gets into the truck and he terrorizes the nazis in pursuit and i was just thinking oh was that possibly a spielberg homage to this movie within another movie never really thought of that before but i just thought i'll put that one out there for you guys so there you go and plus i've got to get a little bit of raiders of the lost ark in there guys because i'm a massive fan of that movie but i'm not talking about raiders of the lost ark today <laughs> i'm talking about jill so let's do a bite size review of jill so the film starts off with a nice POV shot of our uh, protagonist, uh, David Mann, who is on a road trip. He's a middle-aged salesman and he's driving on a business trip and he encounters a dilapidated uh, tanker truck in the Mojave Desert. And this is his first wrong move here where he upsets the truck driver, which then begins a game of cat and mouse. So now get David, he pulls into a gas station and he calls his wife and it's where he kind of like a little bit of a backstory here. He's had a little bit of an argument with his wife, he's trying to apologise to her and he says, you know, try and be home in time. So um, you find out a little bit of character here that he's a family man, like say he's on a business trip. And whilst he's making this telephone call, you've got the truck that, that he upset, which is just sort of lingering in the background, that's parked in the uh, gas station as well but at this time David doesn't really think anything of it so um, he gets the gas attendant to look over his car and the gas guy says look pal you're going to need a new radiator hose but then David doesn't believe him he says nah it's fine just fill her up and then I'll move on which he does so he continues his journey and this is now where you get the game of cat and mouse between David and the truck because the truck starts to tailgate him 
starts to push him at an increasing speed. David starts to panic now, um, so you get like uh, about 10 minutes of this game on the road. And then David pulls into a restaurant to basically calm himself down after that um, incident on the road between the, him and the truck. He goes to use the restroom and then when he comes out he notices that the truck is parked outside so he believes that one of the people in the restaurant is looking around. It's quite a sort of intense scene now where uh, Dave is trying to work out who, who the truck driver is. And he reckons he's worked out and he goes over to one of the patrons who's um, having a burger and he basically talks to this guy and he says, hey look, if you keep terrorising me I'm going to call the police and this guy says, I don't know what you mean pal. He says, go away. He says, no, I'm going to sort this out. And then the patron gets up and he tries to hit David. And whilst they're having this altercation, David looks around and he sees that the truck drives off. So he now knows that he's uh, talking to the wrong guy. He gets seen where David comes across a stranded school bus and he tries to help the driver out by pushing the uh, back of the bus to give, give him a prod. This doesn't work because his car's not powerful enough. So he goes to the front of the bus, but then behind him, the truck turns up and it helps the bus out and it gives the bus a push so then David moves on and he's driving down the road and he comes across a railway crossing and again you've got another intense scene here where he's waiting at the crossing the train goes by and then now you've got the truck that is trying to push him into the train to try and obviously kill him can't think of what else he's gonna do so there you go so um david's now panicking you get quite an intense scene there but lucky enough the train goes by before it gets pushed into the onto the tracks and david manages to get away he pulls over and then the truck drives past him so you get another scene where david gets terrorized by the truck um like i say they're playing this game of cat and mouse and then david pulls into Another gas station, and this time there's um, animals at this station in cages, and you've got snakes and spiders, and you've got David, he now makes a telephone call, and he's in the phone booth, and then this is where you've got him talking on the phone, and then the truck comes along and smashes into the phone booth, and then it knocks all the cages over. And now David, he's been terrorised, obviously, again by the truck, but not this time, He's fallen into the snakes, he's got spiders crawling over him, so it's, it's just another scene just to create a little bit more tension, I guess. David then manages to get into his car, he drives off very quickly, and then he hides behind an embankment as the truck drives by. And then after a long wait, he drives off again. David then comes across an elderly couple in a car, and he basically says to him, look, you've got to help me. Um, he's in desperation now, you can hear in his voice, and he's basically saying, please, you know, next time you get into a town, please call the police, because I'm I'm in danger. And I think what he's trying to plan here is to say, if I can get the police out here to come and meet me, then I don't have to drive on the road. But then the truck turns up, and he terrorises this the elderly couple, now David's got no choice but to get into his car and flee, um, which results into almost like a sort of leading up to our finale here because you've got David driving uphill on a mountain range. And to make matters worse, and this goes back to the beginning when he's in the gas station, he should have said yes to that gas station guy. Yes, please change the hose because now his radiator hose breaks and you've got steam coming out the car. And now this is where you kind of got the intense scene. It's kind of like where people, I guess, would say this film is like Jaws. 
because now you've got David kind of in isolation. His car is breaking down. The engine is going. He's got steam coming out of it. It's almost like the final scene two Jaws where the orca is sinking. Uh, the engine's failing. It's similar to that scene. And he's driving up the canyon. He's got the car coming behind him. It's almost like someone's trying to swim away from a shark. Uh, it's very clever. You can sort of see the building block to this. So you've got quite an intense finale now. So David just barely reaches his, the summit of the canyon and he managed to get to the top just as his car breaks down. And so now he was just coasting. The engine's shot. He's then opened the door and you get him just hanging out the side of the car and he's, he's veering towards the edge of the cliff and he's got the truck coming behind him and then his car engine blows up, you've got fire coming out of it and then the truck slams into the back and this is as clever as where David jumps out of the car, the truck is pushing his car behind him and then it just goes over the cliff and then you've got a scene here where now this is the thing, a lot of people, you hear a lot of people say I wanted a big explosion but Spielberg just wanted the audience to see this whole truck roll down the, the cliff as if it's a person breaking up or something like that. I think that's why he said he thought that would be more of an impactful scene. You've got dust going everywhere and then you've got the um, roar of a T-Rex from old, some old dinosaur movie. And the trivia here is that roar is the same roar as when Jaws broke, blows up as well. So that's kind of like the connection with these two movies. So that's it. So David has managed to defeat the truck driver. I'm sure he's probably going to go and call the police now and try and explain all of this. I always find that funny when it gets in. Imagine trying to explain that. Um, and then you've got David who's uh, left in the desert. You've got the sun setting in the background of the desert. It's almost like that sort of finale of, you know, riding into the sunset all that sort of stuff and that's it guys that is the end of this movie so there you go that is a, a bite-sized review of Jewel it really is a it's a simple movie it's a simple effective movie um, like I say it's the first time a directional debut for Steven Spielberg and it's just got all the elements I guess you could say of a you know a tense movie which would then lead him on to go and make Jaws which is as I said earlier, a lot of people compare this to that. Do you know what I mean? It's got the same sort of blueprint, I guess you could say. So there you go. Hope you enjoyed that review, guys. Uh, go check it out if you haven't seen it. If you have seen it, like I say, um, hope you enjoyed it. Like I say, it's a film I don't watch all the time, but when it's on TV, you know, you get your sort of five bucks worth out of this film. So, so there you go, guys. That is it. Um, I will be back soon for... I've got a couple of guest episodes coming up. I've got um, Dan joining me for Unbreakable we'll be recording that soon and I've got Matthew Tangent who's going to be joining me for Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone a movie I just can't get away from so I'm looking forward to talking about that one so look out for those shows a little bit of admin for the show I am a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network so please go and check out all the other shows on there I will play a promo at the end of this episode and uh, you can find me on Facebook as uh, well. I'm most productive, so post any comments, put anything on there, any films you want me to check out, let me know. I'll be happy to go and have a look for you. And um, you can also find the Bite Size Cinema podcast on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and several other players on the internet. If you put in 
by Size Cinema Podcast Legion into Google, some player will come up there for you. So there you go, guys. Like I say, hope you enjoyed the show. And as always, keep it bite-sized, keep it safe, and I'll see you soon. show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark mental health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, the podcast by the cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.